Hello and welcome to Lost in Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I'm your host Leo and today we are wrapping up our little Godzilla marathon with Godzilla Minus One. This is the newest release from Toho side of the Godzilla franchise now. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk about it. I currently watched it a couple days ago. I planned on recording this a little bit sooner, but things happen, you know. Uh, with that said though, let us kind of talk about how I'm wanting to review this. Since it is a very new movie, and especially since there's still a very good chance that you can go out and see it still, I would like to kind of break it up into non-spoiler-spoiler spoiler kind of thing. Specifically, I want to talk about what I was expecting from the movie, whether or not I got what I expected, and then go into the plot itself. That kind of thing. You know, section it a little bit more to where it's a bit more uh, simple. As for my history with the movie, I didn't know that this was coming out until not too long ago, to be honest. I had heard that the discussion around a sequel to Shin Godzilla, you know, was being tossed around by the fandom primarily, and that they ended up saying that they didn't want to continue Shin Godzilla because they wanted a bit more of a franchisable series to do something similar to what the Legendary series is doing and what Godzilla movies of old did by starting off with Godzilla and then slowly bringing in more monsters, that kind of thing. So, I, going into it, had a few expectations. I wanted to see what the CGI was like, because Shin Godzilla's CGI was very rough at points, uh, including with, like, the, the second form of Godzilla and whatnot. So, I wanted to see if the CGI improved. I wanted to see how well the stories meshed, and I wanted to see how it sequel-baited. Because if this movie is the one that they are wanting to be their kind of linchpin, it needs to have some kind of sequel bait to potentially continue the story. I mean, as it is, you know, a lot of Godzilla movies have had sequel bait that was just ignored completely. I mean, hell, in, in the movies that we watched preparing for this... At least two of them had sequel bait that they just kind of they just kind of let go. <laughs> so there was uh, uh, which one was it? Giant Monsters All Out Attack had sequel bait where Godzilla's heart was still beating at the bottom of the ocean, but nothing came of that. They they completely ignored that and moved on to a different thing. <laughs> then Shin Godzilla had sequel bait where you know in theory the idea was that Godzilla would thaw out eventually. And the, like, creatures in his tail would, you know, wreak havoc. So, that's the kind of thing I was looking for in the movie. But, yeah, with that, with my expectations, were, were they met? So, w was the CGI better? Yes. So much better. And the cinematography overall for the film is fantastic. It's a lot more, um, crunchy. A lot more brutal in, in how you actually see people dying. In older Godzilla movies, you know, death was implied, but you never really saw a lot of it. For example, um, in the original Godzilla, you see a woman cradling her child as Godzilla's attacking, and she says, don't worry, we'll be with your father soon. And the heavy implication is that their father is dead and they're going to be with him kind of in the afterlife. And you also do see the news reporters in a radio tower as the radio tower goes down. But, you know, 
it, it's left kind of vague. In Shin Godzilla, though, Shin Godzilla had a bit more brutality to it in that you see, you know, the sheer damage of a giant being pushing its way through streets. But the only real deaths you see are the Prime Minister's as his, like, as his helicopter explodes. Though, again, there's massive implications of death, you know, throughout. In Giant Monsters All Out Attack, we see a building that definitely had soldiers in it explode. And we saw, uh, let's see, we saw, oh, an entire team gets wiped out. So, yeah, like, it's implied, but you don't fully see it happen, if, if you kind of catch my drift. Like, it's told to you they died, but you don't see them dying. In this, you very much see them dying. <laughs> let's see, the stories. So the stories are kind of split between, I mean, it's overall one flowing story, which is nice. There's not that much of it in overall arc, on Godzilla's side, at least. A lot of the later Godzilla movies became, you know, there's the human story, usually running parallel to the the monster story, but the, the monsters themselves also kind of have a story. Most of the time, the monster story is they're meeting in a place to fight, usually. But in this case, the overall story, in sim simple, not super spoilery terms, um is we follow Ensign Kochi Shikshma. He is a disgraced kamikaze pilot from World War II. We follow him in the wake of World War II and how his, you know, reception as a kamikaze fighter that didn't do what, you know, kamikaze fighters do uh, is kind of... At least that's kind of the initial part, you know. But his overall story is kind of how he's to regain his confidence um, after that event. Specifically after um, the initial event that kind of kicks off the film. Godzilla's story, again, is a lot simpler, where it's just, they done did some nuclear tests, and so going to Tokyo, that's pretty much it. But yeah, the, the overall story, it's, it's a much more deep kind of poignant story it's definitely a kind of war movie mixed with Godzilla which is very interesting and it brings to question a bunch of like you know now alternate history potential ways of them going forward with the series and it it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting thing to to keep track of as as these movies potentially continue and on that note, let's discuss sequel bait. Is there sequel bait? Yes. What's the sequel bait? I can't fully say without spoilers. And also, at least half of it, I can't fully explain. So it's going to be kind of a, a situation where, where I'm going to have to speculate uh, later on in, in this episode about what I actually think is going to happen. The other thing, but, you know, before I go into the actual story, we can talk about potential directions that this could go in. Because it's it's very much setting up a kind of semi-alternate universe situation where, you know, back during World War II, like, just after World War II... Instead of Japan having this mass dearmament, 
they are able to reclaim some of their their like military weapons and whatnot for use against specifically Godzilla and potentially against Godzilla like threats in the future, they might be able to kind of recoalesce, I guess. It, it, I don't know. You know, it's it's gonna be a situation where where eventually they're they're gonna end up with the like Godzilla Defense Force or <laughs> something like that. Potentially down the line, we'll 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 end up seeing. It's it's going to be interesting to see how how things develop and change and and whatnot as as time goes on, and whether or not they're going to do like a subtle transition, like maybe the next movie set in the eighties or the nineties. Uh, it, it's it's hard to say, or if it's also going to be set in that like near post World War Two era. Because it is suggesting that they might end up using the same characters for a potential sequel. So, we'll have to see. As for, like, what other monsters they might bring, I think that going the route of, like, the original Godzilla's, where, like, the first monster is, like, Bodagon, would be... No. Angurus. Not Bodagon. Uh, where, like, the first monster is Angurus, would be a really good kind of transition into the monster fights again. Because overall, Angurus in the original movies is, you know, a bit more of a grounded, simple thing of being just kind of a massive, irradiated dinosaur. Which seems to be kind of what they're going for with Godzilla, in a way, in this film. So, it, it's... Again, it's going to be very interesting to see how they go. Plus, Angurus does not get enough love in the movies. He, he needs he needs a bit more love. He needs, <laughs> he needs a bit more presence in the films. And I, I think having Angurus be the, the first monster that Godzilla fights again would be nice. Though, the way that they've set up Godzilla in this film is going to be a bit difficult to have a whole lot of interesting fights we'll see how they set up the the additional monsters uh for these fights but you know it's going to be one of those things anywho with that said let's go ahead and give a quick do i recommend it yes absolutely this is a fantastic film my experience at the theater was not great i'll be honest because the people around me sucked and I I had ordered food that was supposed to be delivered to my seat but it never arrived so I was just a I was a bit angry the <laughs> the entire time because not only did I not get my food that I was supposed to have and my drink more importantly so I was just sitting there with nothing um the people next to me like a few seats down were just yapping the entire time and some dude fucking fell asleep during the film which is a annoying pattern that I will be getting into in a later episode when I talk about the Marvels. If you're tired, don't fucking go to the movies. Like, seriously. If you fall asleep during movies, don't go to the movies. It's very inconsiderate. Anywho, with, with that little rant out of the way, again, I do highly recommend this film, um, but from here on, it's pretty much going to be the entire plot of the film. 
So, buckle in. <laughs> the film opens with Koichi. We'll just call him Koichi. Um, uh, coming in on his plane. And I was looking at that. Like, that made that scene made me a bit uncomfortable in general because it's a little fighter jet coming into land and it's on a garbage runway and at the bottom of the plane is this big old bomb and you're just like oh like one like wrong bump and the entire thing goes up kind of thing it it whoo it was a bit nerve-wracking to watch but he comes in he lands and he hops out of the plane and the mechanics are going over the plane and whatnot and it is then revealed to us that he is a kamikaze pilot and the reason that he came to land on this island specifically odo island which is making its return uh odo island seems a lot smaller in this movie but basically odo island is a kamikaze repair base like a, a fighter jet repair station so he on an attack run claimed mechanical failure came in to land but the mechanics are finding nothing wrong with his jet so they know that he he chickened out essentially is what they they call him a coward and whatnot one person s says that he understands i don't know if this is the guy that reappears later and is noticeably absent from the cast list that i'm looking at mm. uh <laughs> We'll, we'll keep that in mind. We'll just call him the mechanic. I don't know if it's the same guy. It might be. But, later that night, so, he, Koichi's just sitting by the water side, and he notices a bunch of, like, dead fish popping up. And it's like deep sea dead fish. And he's like, okay, that's weird. But then a few hours later, an air raid siren starts going off. And they think it's an attack from the Americans on the base. And they, they're looking around, and the spotlight goes around and sees Godzilla. Now, th this form of Godzilla is a lot smaller than normal. In fact, it's almost Zilla-esque in, in design, where... It's a lot more of a T-Rex-looking head while, while attacking. But in this scene, he's just absolutely wrecking shop. He knocks over the light tower, and he just starts, you know, going to town, essentially. The mechanics all gather and grab guns, and they ask Koichi to go over to his plane and use the 20 millimeter guns on the plane to kill the monster and he's like i don't even know if that'll work and they're like it's 20 millimeter guns they can kill anything just do it so he runs over gets into the plane but as godzilla comes into his line of sight he just can't bring himself to shoot the mechanics on the other hand panic and start shooting godzilla and so they have to you know, rush and try to run out. 
but Godzilla starts eating them all, stepping on them, everything, and it it's a very brutal scene. Koichi uh, gets out of the plane just in time for Godzilla to attack the plane itself. He rushes off. The plane explodes. Koichi passes out. And when he wakes up, everyone, save for one mechanic, is dead. I believe the mechanic's name is Tachibana. I think. Oh, it is. <laughs> I'm an idiot and can't read. His, his name is in the cast list. I'm so tired. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah, so it's Tachibana, and so they are picked up and leave. The entire incident is kind of marked up as an American attack on the base, and they were the only two survivors, and Koichi goes home to find that his house is gone. It's been destroyed. Uh, and his parents are dead. One of the neighbors comes over and says, you shouldn't be here. Like, it's not possible for you to, like, you're, you're, you're a kamikaze pilot, you shouldn't be here. And then she, of course, blames him for, you know, the, you know, him and, as she says, cowards like him for not following through is why Japan lost, even though it was a losing battle. Uh, as stated earlier, one of the mechanics, uh, possibly Tachibana, he said that he does he doesn't blame Koichi for not wanting to carry out suicide orders. You know, he says he he understands not wanting to have an honorable death when the writing is already on the wall for the entirety of the war. Why waste your life when on a war effort? that is about to fail completely. He starts trying to rebuild his life as best as he can. Uh, he kind of builds a little shack out of the rubble of his, his family home. He runs into a woman who, like, while trying to stop this woman who's been called a thief and is being chased down, he gets in her way. She passes him a baby and then runs off. So he just kind of hangs around waiting for her to come back. And only when he finally starts to leave does, does she actually stop him. It's like, hey. And he's like, why, why didn't you come come back earlier? And she's like, you were out in the open. I couldn't come to you out in the open. They would have, you know, spotted me. And he's like, oh, okay. Uh, and she's like, why didn't you stay with the baby? He's like, I'm not going to leave the baby. So she takes the baby back and follows him and ends up just staying in his house uh, so they have a cute little relationship thing going on as they start to build a bit of a life together in his little shack um, he ends up taking a job and she's like oh okay cool and he's like yeah it pays you know three thousand up front and you know it pays extremely well but it's a it's a bit of an issue because it's an extremely dangerous job. Basically, after the end of World War II, both Japan and America had mined the hell out of the sea around Japan, so they they need to go through and 
cut the lines on the mines and blow them up. Now, he tries to calm her fears by saying that it's a very specialized ship and whatnot, so he should be safe. It's the best way for him to provide for the two of them and keep them, you know, fed. So he goes and sees that the specialized ship is... It's basically a wooden fishing ship with a gun attached to it. And, um... And the reason it's considered specialty is because the most dangerous bob bombs in the harbor and the the um, surrounding sea are the magnetic mines. So if they went out in a you know metal ship, it would destroy the ship almost instantly. So they go out in a wooden ship, don't set off the mines, and they it's just two ships that run in parallel with a line between them to cut the moorings of the mine. The mine floats up, and then they use the guns on top of the ship to blow them up. And he shows his fighter pilot prowess um, in being able to shoot the the mine and whatnot. And he's able to keep the fact that he was a kamikaze pilot secret from his co-workers. They are, all except for one, are ex-military, or specifically, I believe, ex-navy. Uh, one was a scientist who was developing weapons for the navy. And then I think one was a, like, they call him the captain. So, I don't know exactly what he was in the Navy, but he was at least higher-ish ranking. And, you know, so life continues. But as life is continuing, tests, nuclear tests in the Bikini Atoll, wakes Godzilla. And heavily irradiates Godzilla. Turning him from this, like, you know, T-Rex-esque thing into a much bigger being. But, life continues. So, as life is continuing, they are able to build a little house for him and his pseudo-family. And here we find that he has extreme PTSD from the event on... Odo Island, and because of this PTSD, he is not willing to fully commit to the family um, that he's been building and recognize it as the family that he's been building because he he's, he can't focus on it at this moment. He still feels like he's he owes something. So she decides to get a job in a, I guess, near-ish by town where, you know, she can get decent pay and whatnot and, you know, the, the baby will be watched while she's at work and, you know, everything's okay. But that is around the time that Godzilla attacks again. So Godzilla... Uh, at this point, was being chased around by the American uh, Navy until it got too close to Japan, at which point the American Navy had to fall back because they were worried about tensions between, you know, the Soviet Union. 
So the Japanese had to pool together as much defense as they could in order to keep an eye on this creature heading towards Japan. And it just so happens that the quote-unquote defense is going to be the minesweepers. They have to, their whole job is to keep an eye out for the monster and buy as much time as possible for the Taco, yeah, Takao class destroyer to come in and, you know, finish the job is, is the idea. But as they start seeing signs of the creature, Koichi recognizes this. He knows what this is. He knows that it is Godzilla. And he tells them, you know, that that's what happened to Odo Island. And that's where we learned that technically it's been class. It's just been written off as like an American attack. But he says, no, no, the American that wasn't on the Americans island hopping campaign because it was just a repair station for kamikaze pilots. That's where they find out that he was a kamikaze pilot, but they don't, you know, react too hard to it because, well, things are getting dire and he's the only one that actually knows anything about this creature currently. So they they start kind of scrounging around. Their task is to use the mines that they've been, you know, blowing up, collect a couple of them, and use them as, like, remote detonated bombs to try to distract the creature. Um, and as they're doing this, they're keeping an eye out for the things, and, you know, they're, they're full of optimism because they don't think it's all that big. But then Godzilla completely destroys the other, the other boat. Um, and they, they start panicking and trying to get out of the way. Godzilla's chasing them, uh, in the ocean. They're able to drop one mine and blow it up, but it does nothing to Godzilla. So they're trying to figure out what to do and they decide to try to aim for the mouth so they drop the other mine it goes into Godzilla's mouth but they can't trigger it because the the wire got cut so Koichi starts firing at it until it hits the mine and the mine explodes and it blows off half of Godzilla's face but while they're sitting there Godzilla's face starts to reform and heal almost instantly. Then, as Godzilla is about to attack them, the ship is attacked by the uh, Takao. Or sorry, Godzilla is attacked by the Takao, and um, Godzilla shifts focus over to that and completely destroys the ship. So Godzilla goes, goes and like starts just ripping through the ship pushing it down, ripping it apart until he gets shot and he goes under. But then you see a beam go straight through the ship and just blow it up. It is a very horrifying and cool looking scene. They are airlifted out and they go to go to the hospital 
where Koichi is treated because he like smashed his head and was bleeding, and now he has he has bandages around his head for the rest of the film. <laughs> and while they're hanging around, they hear of the attack. Like Godzilla reaches land after they tried their best to like stop Godzilla with mines and whatnot. It was not enough. Godzilla just pushes through, goes on to land, and they give the warning for the city that it's hitting. It's the exact city that uh, she, uh, his friend, I guess, at this point, uh, is working. Pseudo wife. At this point, they would technically be considered common law married because they they lived together for so long. Uh, anywho, so it's shown that the attack is happening there. He immediately like rushes off, and then we see the the scene of the attack. It's just utter chaos as Godzilla is just pushing through and going through, throwing shit around. He throws a thing onto the, the train track where her train is. The train stops. Godzilla comes in. And now at this point, Koichi had explained to her like what happened on Odo Island. Just why he's not willing to commit and what is going wrong with him. Because he, he wasn't fully willing to share with her exactly what went wrong. And he explains to her that he is a disgraced kamikaze pilot. And that he is responsible for the death of pretty much everyone on Odo Island. So he feels that he, he needs to repay that. Um, and one of the things that happened on Odo Island was an attack by Godzilla. And when she's on the train, after it's been stopped, she looks out and sees Godzilla rounding the corner. And she's like, is this Godzilla? And then Godzilla attacks her train, lifts it off of the track... And the train starts falling apart beneath her. Uh, luckily not her exact car being attacked. Hers is the one that's kind of dangling off to the side. and like, But the bottom drops out of it. And she pretty much is just hanging on for dear life. And it luckily swings over water. And she's able to drop down and get away. Before the train falls into the water as well. She joins a group of people fleeing. Well, she's kind of in shock and is kind of just walking slowly away from Godzilla as Godzilla is making his way in her direction. When Koichi comes in, shakes her out of it and like is starting to pull her away. And just as they're also starting to run away, Godzilla starts getting attacked by tanks from like across town. So he starts turning his attention towards them as, you know... They're standing around seeing what happens to Godzilla. Um, you know, they, they feel like, oh, maybe Godzilla got got, finally. But then he starts to charge. And the way that the charge works is beautiful. You can see it in the trailer where as the, the charge goes up his spines, each one pops out in sequence as it goes up his tail. So it goes, doof. And then when it gets up to his head, he takes a big breath in. And then everything slams down in a... Well, they call it just his heat ray in this. But his heat ray hits. 
and goes through and causes a massive nuclear-sized explosion. And it just blasts through the area. And as they see the sh like the wave coming towards them, um, Noriko, his, his like pseudo-wife, pushes him into an alleyway as she gets blown away by the shockwave and debris. And it does this thing where it like also like sucks back in. And she's not able to be found. She is presumed dead. Because again, can't be found. And he goes into a massive depression. Slash revenge arc. He decides that he must be the one to kill Godzilla. And the scientist guy, the one that they call Doc. He has gotten together with a group of people called it's I think it's like the Citizens Defense Coalition or something like that. Basically, it's a group of citizens that w uh, independent of government influence because, you know, to get around the politics um come together in a way to you know to stop Godzilla. And that way it's there's no hit to the Japanese government for rearming itself. There's no hit to the American government for you know running military operations in the Sea of Japan. Um and then the Russian government is just not not anywhere to be seen. <laughs> so this group has been able to collect four destroyers with the express purpose of using a device where they I think it's what is it called do they have what it's called here uh I don't think they do yeah they, they don't have what they what they use even though technically it should be part of the the weapons, uh, but it, it it's basically a, a fairly simple thing where the plan is to use a specialized gas to flood the ocean around him with bubbles so that he can't stay buoyant and he just sinks to the bottom. And then if that fails, they can use these specialized um, inflatables to bring him back up to the surface where he undergoes massive decompression and explodes. With a potential backup plan of pulling him up via the wenches, even though they know that that won't work. But that's their plan. Then Koichi brings up the idea of getting him a fighter jet so that he can distract Godzilla and lure him into the kill zone, essentially. So they get him a, a heavily prototype uh, version of a jet to use. But it's not flyable at the moment. So he... He is kind of given the task... Well, he he decides that he it needs to be Tachibana. It has to be. So, he goes hunting around for Tachibana, and he sends out letters, um, specifically just to piss him off, pretty much saying that he is the reason that everyone died on Odo Island, instead of him, uh, instead of Koichi. Uh, and it gets his attention. He gets... Uh, clobbered and taken off to the side and confronted. But Koichi convinces him to work on the jet 
because it is a way to kill Godzilla and he plans on committing to a kamikaze strike on Godzilla because he says that if they can get a bomb inside Godzilla, he's vulnerable from the inside. So his plan is to fly directly into Godzilla's mouth and blow up. So he wants Koichi to... Not Koichi. He wants Tachibana to fit a bomb into the plane somehow without anyone else knowing. And they do. So the, the overall structure of the plan is that they need to wrap their... Sh take Similar to how they were doing the mines, they have two ships running in parallel with a line between them. And on this line is a bunch of the gas devices with the flotation devices also in them. So they go around Godzilla, looping past each other, and then kind of tying it off around him. Then they set it off, drag him down, and then at the bottom, once they have the target depth, they then, boom, hit the inflatables and bring him back up. And so they do. <laughs> and the thing is, it's actually a really cool scene. Because Godzilla makes landfall way faster than they expected. And so they have to still send the ships out regardless. Because they just, they, they have to do it in the ocean. So they rely completely on Koichi to get Godzilla's attention and bring them back. Or, yeah, well, take him and himself to the ocean to get Godzilla in in position. He does. It's a relatively short bit, but yeah, he does. Then, uh, part of their plan, the reason that they have four ships, is two of them are distractions. They are to discharge Godzilla's heat ray. So they send the two ships off in like an attack thing, but they're unmanned. Godzilla uses his heat ray, destroys them. Everyone's terrified for a minute, but they're able to pull together to continue executing the plan because they they feel that because of his heat ray, they don't stand a chance. But Doc reassures them by saying it's okay. They it like it takes a while for him to recharge. We just had to get in, do it now, and we should be okay. And with Koichi going through making like runs to keep Godzilla's attention. Um, they go in, they get get it wrapped around, Godzilla plummets down, it doesn't fully work, because he's still moving about, so, uh, but when he does get to the bottom, because he's, as they're doing the process of wrapping it around him, he does start charging another beam, but when they detonate it, he goes down, and when he reaches the target depth, he just shuts off, which is a really, really cool scene. <laughs> Then, when they notice that he's still wriggling about, they detonate the the um, inflatables, bring him back up. But as he's coming back up, he kind of like you can see that it's starting to work because he starts getting these like gray, like pale gray uh, splotches all over him. But he stops about eight hundred meters down, trying to stop the decompression. So the ships have to start pulling away from each other at. Uh, complete opposite angles to try to pull Godzilla up, but he's too heavy. 
But luckily the kid, who was left behind, comes in with a huge fleet of tugboats who come in and start helping pull Godzilla up. They pull him up, but he's still active. And But he is like bulging and whatnot. It's probably the only scene where Godzilla, the, the CGI doesn't quite hit right, is when he's like bulging up. He, he looks a bit weird. But he's starting to charge another beam. But just as that happens, Koichi comes flying in and smacks into Godzilla's mouth. Just as planned. The bomb goes off and there's a, a moment of whether or not it worked. And then there's also the question of did Koichi survive? Well, he did. Because it turns out that this this prototype jet fighter that they were making did come equipped with an ejector seat. Which was foreshadowed earlier when they were talking about how Japan didn't value its soldiers' lives. And when they... they Doc is pretty much giving a speech about how they need to go home to rest. Not to prepare, but to rest. And be with their families. Because... Everyone pretty much was going into this with the this is a suicide mission mindset. And, you know, they were going to go home and just kind of prepare to not come back. But Doc tells them, no, the plan is for everyone to survive this. Part of the problem that Japan had is that it spread itself too thin. It had terrible supply lines, cheaply made weapons, and it and cheaply made aircraft that they didn't put in ejector seats they didn't care about the soldiers lives and they want to change that so the whole plan is for everyone to come out of this alive and so it just so happens that this prototype jet did have an ejector seat and Tachibana in a kind of act of forgiveness towards Koichi does tell him about the ejector seat and tells him live and so he crashes and is able to pull the ejector seat and he safely makes it out yeah and when uh, Tachibana is also listening over the radio to hear whether or not the pilot survived and he did so they all come in and it's shown that yes God it did work Godzilla like his beam and whatnot, his body starts crumbling around him, and he sinks into the sea. Everyone gives Godzilla a salute as he goes down, and they make it back into port, where Koichi receives a telegram. Um, because the the little daughter, which I think her name's Akko, I think. Um, the little daughter girl. He was going to leave with her until he decided to, you know, live and whatnot. So he comes back. She starts beating him because, well, he was going to abandon her, but he survived. And he gets the telegram and he rushes off with Akko to find that Noriko survived, actually, somehow. She survived getting blown away, uh, potentially with a missing eye because she has like a a head bandage that covers her eye a bit. And 
that's where the movie ends. <laughs> Though there is a post, well, not a post-credit scene. It's just a pre-credit scene, the last scene of the movie. You see that at the bottom of the ocean, Godzilla's heart is still there. You know, similar to the the um, giant monsters all out attack film, except for this time you actually see him reforming. That one is the explainable one. That's like okay, that's classic. You know, Godzilla is still alive situation. The slight tease that isn't fully explained is Noriko, her survival, and what has happened to her because. Um, as she's sitting there, she, she one, she asks if his war is over, which is a line she wasn't present for. <laughs> because after her apparent death, while they're kind of mourning, the captain comes up to him and says, you should have married her. You know, stop sulking around. It's your fault for not committing to her and whatnot and you know, actually marrying her. And he says... And uh, Koichi's reply is, don't you think I wanted to? I couldn't, because the war isn't over for me. And it's also part of the line that he uses to get Tachibana on board, is he says that the war's not over for you too. So it's a reoccurring theme for Koichi, but when she asks if his war is over, it's a bit of a callback to a scene she wasn't part of, which is a bit weird. But also, uh, you see on her neck that there's like this black like something moving around like under her skin like as if maybe something's in her blood or something it, again it's really hard to explain and i have no clue what that could be implying what it could be leading to nothing <laughs> i'll have to wait for um theory videos in the very niche market of Godzilla films like proper Toho Godzilla films to come out and it it's <laughs> it's not something that uh, is great most most likely we're going to have to wait for a sequel to come out to actually know now when will we get a sequel i have no clue my best guess is sometime at the earliest probably 2025 and if we're lucky, 2024 in December, but likely 2025. They're going to almost certainly want to skirt around the uh, Godzilla X-Kong New Empire movie, which slowly but surely um, marketing is starting to ramp up for that movie. Uh, of course, a lot of the marketing for that movie is not going to kick in until after the Monarch series is finished. So... Yeah, <laughs> but with that said again I do highly recommend this film it is very good the music is fantastic it's very powerful it doesn't quite hit as much as the soundtrack to Shin Godzilla in fact funnily enough I felt that a lot of Shin Godzilla's music would have worked perfectly in this film because it's it's that you know orchestral ethereal kind of Thing, and I think it would have worked really well in in this film, but sadly, uh, they kind of already used it. Even though there's a you know rich history of reusing Godzilla bits, for example, uh, Godzilla's roar is the same one from the original film, just like tweaked a bit. The it has 
beautiful, deeper orchestral versions of, like, you know, higher quality orchestral versions of, like, the Godzilla theme and the military theme and whatnot. So it's it's very, very nice, but sadly, I don't think they consider Shin Godzilla's music as iconic to to reuse, <laughs> which is fine. But yeah, so again, I highly recommend it. It's a very good movie. I'm very excited to see what the sequel is going to be. What are they going to call it? What's going to be the first monster that they introduce alongside Godzilla? Because it, that's that's what their intended plan is. And I really think it should be Angurus. Because, like I said, they, they are going for a slightly more grounded thing. Where Godzilla did start off looking dinosaur-esque. Uh, similar to the older Godzilla movies where there was the Godzilla-saurus and that's what they presume was mutated into Godzilla. But, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they have, like, the kind of Godzilla-saurus-esque bit, but a lot more brutal. And, you know, I, I feel that they might do something similar with Angurus if they were to continue it. But we're going to go ahead and leave it there. Um, <laughs> this This is a really good movie and I do highly recommend it. I'm very excited to see what is coming up. But uh yeah, with that, thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys enjoyed this, feel free to like, comment, subscribe if you're on YouTube or if you're on any podcast catcher of your choice, feel free to rate and review it. Tell your friends, do do what you got to do. Uh other things that are going on, I know I've been, you know, saying that I'm going to stream, but then keep not streaming. But the holiday bits are past us, and the stressful bits are past us. So I should be able to get a few streams in before Christmas. I have episodes planned out from here to New Year's. I just need to record them and edit them to get them done. But you know, it's going to be good. So I should be hopefully able to do some more streams here and there and it should be a good time i do plan on doing a painting stream at some point in fact that that might end up being the first stream i do where i i paint a turtle uh i i think i've mentioned this before but yeah i'll i'll see about doing that and then as for the weekly series of just quote-unquote edited episodes we are doing destroy all humans which is so far a pretty good time. It seems like it's going to be pretty interesting, but we shall see. Anywho, with that, once again, thank you guys so much for watching, slash listening, and I will talk to you guys next time. Goodbye.